the Word with Pastor Don Haskins, where we open up the Bible to see what God's Word says and how it might apply to our lives. Our prayer is that you allow Jesus to change you from the inside out. And now, today's lesson. Hey, we're in uh, Galatians chapter 5 today. I had you turn to two different places, Ephesians chapter 4. We'll look at that here in just a second. And uh, Galatians chapter 5. For context purposes, I'm going to read the entire chapter of chapter 5 of Galatians. And so why don't we stand up, get a little blood going, and we will then begin. Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Paul writes, he says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You have become estranged from Christ, you who attempt to be justified by law. You have fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but faith working through love. You ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will have no other mind. But he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. And I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why do I still suffer persecution? Then the offense of the cross has ceased. I could wish that those who trouble you would even cut themselves off. And then our passage, oh, I'm sorry, not our passage yet. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only don't, do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, Serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, and actually it's six words, seven words, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware, lest you be consumed by one another. And now our passage that we will be looking at today. He says, I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, Envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those, listen, who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. 
Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. And so, Father, we have before us this passage. Help us to understand. Help us to draw out the truth and the reality of what it is that Paul is attempting to get across to the Galatian believers many years ago. And what we are to be learning by your Holy Spirit today at Calvary Chapel. We pray, Lord, that you would take control not only of the service, but also of our hearts and our minds. Lord, if we come, if we have come in here with a predeposed mind on what is right, what is wrong, and if it's at all contrary to you, then Lord, change us. Our desire is to become more like you at the end of this message than we are right now. If that's the case and something like that happens, then Lord, we have been successful today by drawing close to you. Your word tells us in the book of James that we are to draw near to you and you will draw near to us. So Lord, as we draw near to you today in this message, in this time of listening, this time of learning, may you draw near to us. For Lord, we're drawn near to you. I pray that you would anoint the ears and the hearts of the hearers of me. Anoint my tongue and my mind that I may be able to articulate your word accurately and clearly. That everyone who hears this message would truly be changed. Not just challenged, but changed. To become more like you the man or the woman that he desires to be. And that's our prayer, Lord. We lift up this time to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So Paul, he lays out last the last couple of times that we have spoken. He's laid out um, the liberty that we have in Christ. Last week we talked about that. You, If you weren't here last week, you can listen to it online. It's up. But uh, Paul is saying, stand fast in the liberty. Don't be brought under the power of somebody that will creep into a church and lay on extra burdens upon you. That was what was happening, you remember there in, in Galatia, is that the Judaizers, and and when we say Judaizers... The term is intending to mean not those who are trying to evangelize for Judaism apart from Christ. A a Judaizer is to accept that there is a Savior, but that His blood on the cross, His sacrifice was good, but just not good enough. You needed to actually keep the whole law plus find yourself under the blood of Jesus in order to be saved. When in all actuality, the law was the tutor that we'll find out. We'll learn this, right? The law is our tutor that brings us to Christ. But once we have come to Christ, we're no longer under a tutor. Why? Because we're now under Christ. A Judaizer had a hard time differentiating the law from Christ. 
The law was there as a standard. We talked about that last time we were together. The law was, if you picture with me, a pole here. And on this pole has all of these rules and regulations. Line item by line item of the things that you must do in order to be approved in the eyes of the Lord. Right? And and therein lies, you can walk up to this post on a day-by-day basis and go through the many, many, many lines upon this post. We'll call it a standard, okay? And that standard is there, and as you look at this standard, you look at the line-by-line items. And as you look at this line-by-line item on this post, you are either innocent or guilty of each one of those items. And and as we spoke last week, there's some people that will look at that, I, I myself included, I will say, that I would look upon those line items, and there's hundreds of them <laughs> on that post. I'm going to find myself guilty of most of them. Now, there might be that person, as we talked about last week, that will go up there and say, wow, I'm good. I mean, I've messed up on one or two a little bit, but not grievously. I'm pretty good. The Bible says if you've failed in one point, you failed in it all. The law has shown is like a mirror that you look at and you look back at yourself and see guilty across your forehead. You see guilty across your forehead. And and we, in our own human nature, we might look at that and go, well, I don't know, how fair is that? I mean, I look at this guy over here, I look at Don Haskins. I mean, he just said that he would fail on most of those items, those line items. I mean, he's guilty. He deserves what he gets in hell. But me, I mean, I've done all of these except for two. I mean, really, who, how fair is that? Well, you see, God doesn't allow any sin to come into heaven, right? Paul says it best. He says, all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. And so if you find two on this item, on this post, this symbol or this standard that we have here, and you find that out of the hundreds, you only fail in two or one, the whole post is tainted. Your life is tainted. You would then be included under the all. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so it's in that that the Judaizers were coming in here and saying, well, okay, now Jesus will wash away the sins of all of these things that you're blowing it on, but you still have to keep all these things. These are the things that you got to keep. And, and, and Paul is saying, there is nothing further from the truth. What that does is it takes away, and he, he says that here in, in uh, um, uh, verse 11, he says, listen, if that happens, then the offense of the cross has ceased. The offense of the cross has ceased. There is no need for the blood of Jesus Christ if anybody can find themselves righteous here. Because you found no one righteous, There is only one way into heaven. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. And so Jesus, it's either Jesus or the law. And if you're on the side of the law, you're lost. 
you're on the side of Christ and his death, his blood shed, his body broken, his life raised again from the dead three days later, and he is your savior, he is your God, he is your Lord, he is your master, guess what? You're going to heaven because of what he did, not because of what you did. You see, the whole idea is you can't do it, he has to. And so you fall upon the grace. I fall upon, we fall upon the grace of God. That's what we do through His Son, Jesus Christ. The standard is here that just shows us that we're guilty. And the thing is, they were, the Judaizers were having a hard time differentiating. Paul is saying, hey, on one of those line items there is that you had to be circumcised. And, and the thing is, he said here, he says, listen, circumcision, in verse 6, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything. But it's faith working through love. It's faith working through the love of God. The love of that God has for you. Faith that God loved you so much that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever would believe in Him would what? Not perish, but have everlasting life. It's God's love. God's love demonstrated towards us. In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's faith in that. Faith in love. That's through Christ Jesus. And, and, and so here's the thing. Paul is saying, I want you to stand fast in that liberty. And we talked about it last week that there was a lot of uh, 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 impurities beginning to, to infiltrate the church. And, and we might be judged as nitpickers. But Paul is in that modern day mindset. You remember we talked a little bit last week about the song Reckless uh, Love or whatever. Is that, I don't know what the name of the song is, but we talked a little bit about that last week. The Reckless Love of God. And we might look at that and say, oh, you're nitpicking. I don't know. Paul's nitpicking then. In our modern day definition of nitpicking, Paul is nitpicking. Wait a minute. Quit coming down on these Judaizers. They're at least pointing people to Jesus. Paul says, absolutely not. I'm not allowing this heresy to get into the church. For the offense of the cross, the blood of Jesus Christ, cleanses us from all sin. That is not an arguable item or matter by which we will just simply gloss over because people consider us to be nitpickers. And, and so the, the idea is, is that Paul is drawing these things out. Why? There has to be purity in the church. There has to be a standard, right? There still has to be a standard of righteousness, of holiness. The standard of righteousness and holiness is found in Jesus Christ and the word that he has left to us to live by and live through. We have liberty. We find our, our freedom in Christ. We find our, our, our uh, righteousness and our acceptance before God in Christ. And what Paul is trying to get to you, into you and I and into these Galatians is be excited for that. Understand the liberty that you and I are afforded because of what Christ has done for us. L- love life. Live for Jesus. 
Don't get caught up in all of these arguments and don't get caught up in these that come and creep into your church and try to take away from the glory that we have in our salvation, man. That Just that awesome freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. I mean, it happens everywhere. I don't care what church. It'll, it, it's happened here. It's happened at every place that I've ever been. There's somebody, some people just are not satisfied unless there's a problem in the church. Unless there's a problem in doctrine. Those wannabe theologians that are out there and they love Facebook. <laughs> and, and they go on and they argue and argue and argue. And argue and argue. And I'm going, how many people have you led to the Lord through that argument? Just love Jesus. Live for Jesus. This is what Paul's saying. Walk in the Spirit. What's he talking about? Let's argue all the time. Let's beat people down all the time. Let's tell them how unworthy they are constantly. Paul's saying, hey, let's, let's differentiate what walking in the Spirit and walking in the flesh means. Because these two are contrary to one another, he says in verse 17, doesn't he? He says there, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh, for the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you don't do the things that you wish to do. Now here's the thing, that kind of when you hear that, that last part right there, so that you do not do the things that you wish, my mind immediately glows, and I know some of you, your mind, some of your minds probably went there too. Doesn't that almost sound like Romans 7? Where Paul says, oh, the things that I will to do, those are the things that I don't practice. The things that I will not to do, those are the very things I do. I think I just said the same exact thing twice. <laughs> but you understand what I'm saying. The things that I will not to do, those are the very things I practice. The things that I will not to do, I think I just did it again. <laughs> Whatever. You know what I'm saying, right? Paul says the things that I want to do. I'm going to get this right because I can't move on. I'm telling you, I'm going to stay up tonight if I don't get past this. The things that I will not to do, those are the things that I practice. The things that I will to do, those are the things that I don't do. And now that was backwards, but it was right, okay? Okay. <laughs> Whew. Okay. Here's... But then Paul gets into this struggle, this spiritual struggle that he has in his life right there. And he says, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? You see the agony in Paul's words. Paul's going, man, I really want to live this this life that God has for me, but I'm constantly blowing it. Whether it's through the things that I don't want to do or the things that I, I do want to do, I'm actually practicing the opposite of those things. That's a good way of saying it. And he says, I, I am such a wretched man. And I have this body of death that is attached to me. These things, it's I'm living a life that's contrary. But then he comes to this understanding. He says, who will deliver me from this body of death? And then he says in verse 25, I thank God through Christ Jesus. Paul understood that it is not in through my goodness, it's not in through your goodness, it's not in through our goodness that we are found righteous before God. It is through the righteous goodness of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Which causes Paul 
to write a rejoicing verse that we love to quote. There is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. This is the very next thing he says in Romans 8. 1. There is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. But then he goes on and he talks about, but because there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus, that doesn't mean that I should go and continue to live after the flesh. But now my life should be changed. Something radical has happened to me and it should articulate itself in the living out physically, morally, spiritually, emotionally in my life because I'm not who I used to be. Paul talks about it, doesn't he? He says, hey, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Is that your definition? Is that a definition of you and of your life? I hope so. If not, know this. God is still in the business of taking your old life. And not just making, you know, and not just reforming it to make it new. It's creating a brand new heart in you. It's creating a brand new life in you. The old things that you've ever done would be passed away. Behold, all the things would become new in Christ. And now we do it in Christ, not in my works. No, it says, you know, if any man is in, is, is in works, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If anybody is in, you know, effort, they're, new, they're a new creation. It's not through your efforts. It's not through your works. It's through Christ. It's in Christ that we're, we're saved. But when that happens, something should change. Something should change in our life. And Paul's now going to show out a, a, the, the, uh, the opposite life, the contrast, if you will, of a life in the spirit and a life in the flesh. Paul is basically saying, hey, if you're a Christian, this shouldn't be your life. If you're a Christian, this should be your life. Something changed. When I got married, I stopped being single, right? If I didn't, I'd be in trouble. When I got married, when I fell in love and I got married, it's crazy, man. That was a crazy time in my life. I don't know about you, but if you've ever had an experience like that, that, that's an indelible impression upon your life. I don't really want to get into it, but I'll tell you, it, there, I drove across the country to see my future bride, who I learned about halfway across the country that she wanted to be my bride. Just on the phone, just in passing. She didn't know that she said yes, but she did. And I didn't even ask her. Yeah. I was going to go to Michigan to start a church up in Michigan when I left Bible college. My wife had left Michigan many years before because her great statement has always been, I'm a Christian and this is a free country and you don't have to live in Michigan. Okay, So I can move. 
I don't have to live in Michigan. I'm going to move to Florida. And so she did. She actually moved to Florida in Orange County and came back over here, Orange County, California. And then she came back to Florida. And this is where she's been ever since. But imagine her surprise when she's starting to fall in love with a guy, me. And I'm saying, I don't know where God's sending me. I just know that he is calling me out from the Bible college. But until the Lord tells me that that's not where you want to go, that's not where I'm leading you, and that's not where I'm I'm sending you, I, Lynette, am going to go to Grand Rapids, Michigan, because that is where I see a lot of the books that I've studied in the Bible, or in, in the Bible college, is where they were all published. Erdman's, I believe, publishers are up there. Baker books, I believe, are up in 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 Grand Rapids, Michigan. And I looked on the Calvary Chapel server and I didn't see any Calvary Chapels in Grand Rapids, Michigan. My brother, he lived in Muskegon, which is just, I don't know, 40 minutes away, 45 minutes away. I thought, well, I'll have my brother up there. So God, I'm, I'm going to go to Grand Rapids, Michigan. I actually was 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 introduced at Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa through my mentor, Larry Taylor, teaching on a Wednesday night for Pastor Chuck as the next senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Grand Rapids. Now, later on, I'd find out, much to the consternation of the three other Calvary Chapels that were in Grand Rapids. Here's the thing. When I'm going across the country, my girlfriend, Lynette, the last time I saw her, I said, I could never ask you to go back to Michigan. But that's it looks like where I'm going. And and she said to me when she was about to get on the plane at Ontario Airport in California, she goes, Well, let's pray about it. And if you hear her say it, in her mind she's going, You will not pray about going back to Michigan. What just came out of my mouth? But she said, Well, we'll pray about it. I okay. On my way back to to see her to go visit her in a car. That's a long story. Don't want to get into it. But I'm in around Aspen, Colorado. And I'm calling her to tell her that I'm actually not going to go to Michigan, drive to Michigan, because I was going to drop my brother's car off to him in Michigan. That's what I was doing to take my brother. He had a car in California. I was going to drive it to him. But that I, my plans had changed. I'm actually going to come down to Florida first because I was going to go to Michigan, fly down to Florida, see Lynette, and then come back to California, go back to California. But my plans changed in the middle of the country. But I, I got on the phone. That's before we had cell phones. I had to stop at a pay phone. And I called Lynette. <laughs> None of the kids just even understood what I just did right there. And I called her on the phone. And, and her first words out of her mouth were, Done, done, done. I was talking to, and we had a, a girl that we worked with over in Fort Lauderdale. Her name was Michelle Kuhn. You guys remember Michelle Kuhn? Michelle Kuhn. She goes, I was talking to Michelle Kuhn here, and guess what? We don't have to go to Grand Rapids. We don't have to go to Michigan because there's not only two, but there's three Calvary chapels in Grand Rapids. Now, to me, I'm going, I'm not thinking, oh, Lord, where would you send me then? That's not... I'll be honest with you, that's not the first thing that went through my head. And the first thing that went through my head is that my girlfriend said, we don't have to go 
to Grand Rapids. And when she said we, that included me and her, that means that she's planning on having a life with me. And I will tell you that my very next stop was in in Kansas, and I stopped by, and on the salary that I was making at the Bible college, which was next to nothing, I bought the biggest ring that I could for $99. She still has it. It's her little promise ring. If you look really closely, you can see a diamond. And I bought it because I knew she was going to be my wife. I knew at that moment. My life changed. When you and I become Christians, something changed in your life, right? Something radical changed. There's a freedom that you have. There's a, there's a freshness. There's a, there's, man, there's, you wake up, your eyes are opened, man. There's that what you used to see on the pages of this book called the Bible is no longer black and white. Now it's color and you go, oh my goodness, I never knew that the Bible said these things. I never knew that the Bible could mean so much. I never knew that the Bible could say so much to me and, and I never knew that I could have an outlook. I never knew that I, my life could be this changed. And, and so as a Christian, something should change in your life when you become a Christian. There ought to be things that happen in your wake that would identify you as a Christian. Let's say you're a police officer. I'm a cop. Okay, This is for more. And, and say you're a cop. But what if you never carry your badge or you, you hide it and you never, and you never, you, you never go to work. You never cop. <laughs> you never police. You never, you never do your job. Now Mark could probably come up here and, and testify and say, well, you're just explaining a lot of people <laughs> that they should have been doing a whole lot more. He might know some of those kinds of people that they had a badge, but they never did anything. Maybe not. Hopefully not. But here's the thing. If you have a badge for your cop, wouldn't you be doing something as a policeman? If you're a fireman, wouldn't you expect to have a hose in your hand every once in a while? Don't you expect to, to put out a fire every now and then? If you're a paramedic, don't you think that somewhere along the lines you're going to help someone in distress? If you're a pilot, don't you think you ought to be in an airplane sometime? But as a Christian, sometimes we hide that, that badge in our back pocket and we, we just we don't we don't do anything. And in our wake we don't see anything. There's no evidence that there's Christianity. There's no evidence. And Paul's saying, here's the thing. Walk in the Spirit. In your wake, you're going to see a glorious work that God is going to do through your life. However, if you turn around and you look in your wake and you see flesh behind you and world, and and that's all you identify so well with the world, and sometimes we as Christians, we, we justify our walk with the world by saying, well, I'm at least being identifiable to the world. And I think we, in our modern day, we don't need a whole lot more um, uh, encouragement to be more like the world so that they would identify with us. 
I think that it, the, the, the line of being a Christian has become so blurred that I, I, I think it's hard for people to see whether or not someone is a Christian or not. You remember the old you know, statement, someone saying, hey, listen, if you were ever put on trial in a court of law on whether or not you were a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Hey, here's, here's the thing. Paul's going, I, I want you to understand that in your wake, things should not be in your wake if you're walking in the Spirit. If you're walking in the flesh, these are the things that are going to be in your wake. Paul says these two things. You can't live in both camps. The, the two camps are not something that you should live in. Now, just because I'm an individual person, you remember I, I talked about when I became, when I got married, I joined myself to my wife. I am an individual person still. But if I go back and do the things that I did back when I was single, I don't know how long I would be married, right? Because something's changed. Something's changed. And Paul is making a distinction between walking in the Spirit and fulfilling the lusts of the flesh. Look at what he says. I say then walk in the Spirit. You will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. And these things are at war with one another. Have you ever experienced that war? If you're a Christian, it would be a resounding yes in this room. And if you would be too afraid to say it, I will say it for you. Yes, you have struggled with that. I've struggled with it. Every Christian who is honest before the eyes of the Lord would say emphatically, absolutely yes, I have struggled with the battle between the flesh and the spirit. You're not alone. But we have Christ. We can win this battle. Amen? Here's the thing. The flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these two are contrary to one another so that you don't do the things that you wish. For if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. What's he saying by that? He said, listen, if you are, and this is the intent of what Paul is saying here. He's going, if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. If you're led by the Spirit, you're not going to go, and what he's saying, you're not going to have to go and look at this post and see if you're doing right or not. Because your life is radically changed. What he's saying is, is Don, when you got married to Lynette, did you have to tell yourself that it was probably not a good idea to, de- to date other women? Well, of course not. I'm not going to date other women. If I'm married to, to my wife, my beautiful wife, I'm not going to do that. Why? Are you really asking me that question? That doesn't make sense that you're asking me that question. You're saying you can't date other women? You're just married. Does that make sense? That doesn't make sense. My whole life has changed. I'm with my wife. And that's till death do us part, right? And so I'm thankful. There's things that have changed in my life. And when that happens, I don't have to ask the question, hey honey, I have a question. Now that we're married, does that mean I can't date anybody else? I don't have to ask that question. Paul says, listen, if you're being led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. You don't have to ask the question, is it okay for me to do this? Is it okay for me to do that? People have come to me over the years and said, hey, Pastor Don, is it okay to to do this or is it okay to do that? I mean, I'm a Christian. and, and I mean, can I go to a Christian dance? 
I was a part of that over in Fort Lauderdale. Kevin knows this. Kevin was a part of this also. I was a singles pastor over in, in Calvary Chapel, Fort Lauderdale. And here's the thing. Before I got there, the pastor that I took over for, his name was Chris, he actually had a dance the year before for the Christians. And and then, you know, for the singles, which, by the way, when you're at a church of like eight to 10, 12,000 people, which we were at the time, you want to know the most volatile group of people? <laughs> It's Christians who are single who want to be married. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to create a, a dance. Is that what I'm asked? I'm being asked by the people, hey, can you have a dance? In fact, I actually had one guy who, <laughs> I just, it's wrong for me to even say his name, so I won't say it, but he had gold chains. He had his, he had his, his, his button down shirt down to just above his belly button. Gold chains on. He had a, what do they call that? Uh, 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 his hair is high on top and cropped on the sides. What is that called? No. Was it? A what? Mullet. There you go. Remember, he had a mullet. He had long hair in the black back, blonde. And he says, we need to have a dance. And he did talk like that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. And he got mad when I said no. And he goes, I'm telling you, if Kevin, I don't remember this, but yeah, I think you do. He says, if I were to hand out at our, you know, singles event here, index cards and have them just simply put a yes or a no on the card and the question be asked by everybody, do you want to have a dance? I'm going to say it's going to come back in resoundingly yes. We had a dance before. And I think God gave me the answer there because I am not this quick. But I said, fella... (laughs) I said, uh, the last time that that happened in the Bible, the people created a golden calf. And so I'm going to just do what I think God's called me to do. Well, I'm going to talk to Pastor Bob. I said, well, you do that. He might want to replace me, but that's okay. As long as I'm here, we're not going to have a dance. Why? Why are you so against it? I said, well, because I'm having a hard time seeing how we are going to make disciples of of, of believers and how we're going to grow people's faith as we dress up in 50s outfit with our makeshift, you know, sleeves rolled up with our carton of cigarettes in there, dancing with women that aren't our wives, to I found my thrill on Blueberry Hill. I just don't see. Now, whether or not you dance, I don't care. But I think that the church needs to be separate from that. If you choose to do it, that's between you and and the Lord. I'm not coming down on you. I'm not even against you doing that. Go for it. If God's given you the green light to do it, hey, I, you're, I'm not going to judge you on anything of that. I mean, who am I? But when you're asking the church to sanction a dance, I, I, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I, I went in and I talked to Bob. I got called into Bob's office, the principal. And I said, I'm not doing it. And he let out a big breath of, sigh of of almost relief and he goes I didn't like it last year I showed up but I didn't like it and here's the thing whatever you whatever you decide I got your back I'm behind it I'm behind you not having it he goes because I, I, I struggled with it I'm going good alright so my buddy he didn't like us anymore and he left and went to another place probably who had dances but here's the thing the idea is is that when you become a Christian something should change 
right? And, and, and now when someone says, well, should I go to a dance? Should I go and do this? I'm a Christian. Should I do that? My question is never, my, my question back to him is, why are you asking me this question on whether or not it's right for you to do this or whether or not it's right, you know, or, or, or you know, diso, disallowed for you to do this? Don't come to me to ask that. Go to the Lord. But I would just question and I would warn. I'm not even going to get into all the way through this study. And now I was going to have a hard time anyways. But here's the thing. This would be a great foundation for next week. Here, here's the thing. Why are, why are you asking me how close to the rocks you can float before you hit the rocks? How close can I get to the stones, to the coral reef, before I crack up, before it injures me? You know, my, my, that's, that's, that's like hearing somebody say, hey, I, I'm in this boat. How close to the coral reef can I get before I hit the coral reef and pop a hole in my hole and I sink? How close can I get? And, and my answer would be, why are you even close to the rocks in the first place? Get out in the open ocean. Enjoy yourself out there. Enjoy being free. Don't, don't try to live so close to the world because it's going to end up killing you. There's a story back in the book of Genesis. Many of you will understand it. Where um, Jacob, as he was coming back from Pandanaram, where his uncle Laban had ripped him off a lot, Jacob had kids and on his way back in, as he was entering into the promised land, he stopped just short of the promised land. He had an issue with his brother, his brother saying, come on back home, you know, and so he ended up bringing his family, ended up crossing over into the promised land, but he just went over the border. He just went over the border. He didn't go back down into Jerusalem. He didn't go back down towards Bethel. He didn't go back to where it was that he originated from, where he came from, where he was going to, where God had called him to go back to. What he did is he came into the promised land, but he was in the very northern part of Israel, which is modern day, you know, up in the Golan Heights area. And he he parked out there and he camped there for a long time with his with his family. And, and here's what happened. Some of you guys will remember this story. As his family is there, he had a daughter. We don't know how many daughters he had, but one we know that he had. He had at least one daughter, and her name was Dinah. Do you all remember that story? And Maybe you don't. Let me tell you. Dinah was infatuated <laughs> with the world. She crossed out of their family went across the border to go and and experience and see how the world lived 
And while she was over there, young innocent Diana was raped. She was defiled. She came back home. And the guy who raped her ended up talking to his dad, who was in the world, said, Daddy, I want that woman for my wife. And, and, and so the dad, I mean, you want to talk about sick? The dad went over and talked to Jacob and they discussed, how can we have a peace between our, our two families, between our two people? He said, my son really, 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 really wants Diana as a, as a wife. He's already defiled her. What you give her? In the sick, sick, twisted mindset of Jacob at the time, he made it a deal. He made a deal. Simeon and Levi, I believe, are the two sons that said, hey, uh, let's go over and say, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll make a deal with you. So they did. They went over and they made a deal with him. Said, listen, we'll give you our sister Dinah if all of the males in your you know, company or your country here, if all of your males become like us and they're all circumcised. And this guy must have been very, very powerful because they agreed. They all were going to be circumcised. Well, it was like the second or third day when the soreness was really, really, really bad that Simeon and Levi went in there and killed all the men. They came home and Jacob was infuriated with Simeon and Levi. What have you done? You've made my name a mockery. You've, you've put a price on my head. Do you know what you guys have done? We're going to be destroyed now. And Simeon and Levi said back to their dad, Dad, are you kidding me? You're going to let that happen to our sister and not do anything about it? Now here's the moral of the story. Maybe you're seeing it. That never would have happened if Jacob would have just obeyed the Lord and gone where he was supposed to go. But Jacob... He wanted to stay close to the world. He wanted to be able to see it in a distance. To know, hey, that's that's where I came from. That's what they're doing. I want to keep my pull, my thumb on the pulse of what the world is doing. And in so not obeying the Lord completely, partially obeying the Lord, here's what happened. It cost him the purity of his daughter. And it cost hundreds of men their lives. And it cost major uh, uh, contention within Jacob's own family. All because dad didn't want to fully walk with Jesus. Here's what, here, walk with the Lord, walk with God. Fully obey him. I want to, I want to be a Christian you might say, but I want to stay so close to the world that nobody, number one, knows that I'm a Christian because I don't want to be labeled a freak. And secondly, I kind of want to stay close to the world because I want to keep my thumb on the pulse of what the world is doing because I really like what the world's doing, but I really want to be saved, but I really like the world. 
that's heading us up for our next week's lesson. Where are you living? And this is where I would, I would challenge you today. Where are you living? Where's your place of residence spiritually? Are, are you, are you close to the world? Or are you far away from the world? You're free to live wherever you want to live. But if I went into my marriage saying, I am so happy that I'm married, but I'm still going to stay close to my former girlfriends. I don't know about you, but I think that all of us would agree there's trouble a brewing, right? If I stay close to that which I used to be, there's going to be a problem. And it's going to manifest itself in some way or another and it's going to cause a lot of heartache and a lot of brokenness and a lot of destruction. And because of that, I should just stay away from those things, right? Stay away from those things. And so when I become a Christian, when you become, a, when we become Christians, let's, listen, let's not plant ourselves close to the world. Let's get ourselves out into the open water. Let's, let's, let's park ourselves in a place of safety with the Lord and let's rejoice. Let's not always focus on, well, I wonder if I should do this or wonder if I shouldn't do that. You know, I, I don't live like that. Live free. Paul says, stand fast in the liberty by which Christ has made you free. But if in your liberty you think that, well, here it is. I'm going to have one foot in Christianity or I'm going to have one foot in Christ and one foot in the world. Know this, there will never be peace. You'll never have peace. You'll always struggle in your Christian walk. You will always struggle. You will always have defeat. You will always get burnt out. You will always get to a point where you can't hand... I've tried Christianity. And I, I, I think I hate that term when someone says, I've tried Christianity. When someone says I tried Christianity, what they have told me is that they've kept a foot in both sides, in both worlds. Or, or, or Christ is not who he said he was. Jesus says, listen, I came that you might have joy and that your joy would be full. If you don't have full joy in Christ. Jesus hasn't done anything wrong. Something is wrong maybe in your life. Maybe you are living too close to the world. Stay away from the world, man. How close to the rocks can I get before I hit? Get away from the rocks. Get out in the open ocean and open that sucker up, man. You know, when you're in a boat and you're cruising around, you're going really, really slow. Because you're in the rocks and you're you're going really slow and you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh no, we're about to hit. Hey, push off with the oar. Push off with that. Push off. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Stop. It's laborious. It's 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 it 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 is so mentally draining. But here's the thing. When you get away from those things and you finally get through the rocks and you get out into the open ocean, 
How awesome is it when you go, hey, there's no rocks around. Let's just do this. Whoa. And you're, boom. Oh, man, this is a blast. Hey, let's have a blast in our Christian faith today. Let's get out of the open ocean. Let's enjoy the life that is afforded to us by Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Amen? Let's not walk according to the lust of the flesh. We're going to talk about some of those things next week to, to maybe put some skin on those things. We'll talk about what some of the, the, the gifts of the Spirit are. You know, the, the walking in the Spirit. What are some of those characteristics? What do they look like? We'll talk about those things next week, but suffice it to say, hey guys, let's get out in the open ocean. Let's push that throttle to the firewall and let's enjoy this Christian life that is afforded to us through Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you so much for today. We love you, God. And God, we are so sorry that we make this life as being Christian so complicated. We're sorry. We're sorry that we do that. We're sorry that, God, we... We sometimes set up camp where we should not be setting up camp. We sometimes float too close to the rocks. We're so grateful and thankful, Lord, that when we do and we get bumps and bruises and holes and holes in our hole, Lord, you patch them, you restore them, you make us new again. We're thankful for that. We're thankful that we have an advocate, you, Jesus, who's the mediator between us and God. And and we thank you, God, that you, you can restore and renew and refresh. But God, help us to just enjoy our life in you without constantly focusing what I shouldn't do, but that we would focus on what it is that we can do. We can walk in you. We can enjoy you. We can love in you. When I see walk in the Spirit, I I think of somebody who's walking proudly. And what I mean by proud, Lord, you know that they have a spring in their step. They have an outlook on life that no matter what happens today, God is still on the throne. And whether I live or die, I'm going to be in the presence of the Lord on earth or in heaven, and it doesn't matter. I am going to rejoice. And this, they have this air about them. Maybe it's us. We have an air about us when we're walking with you in the Spirit. We have a twinkle in our eye. We have an expectation that every day presents a new opportunity to love and to serve you and to just live this life of freedom in you. Not worrying about whether or not I'm going to go to heaven or hell or whether I'm going to fall into sin or not because I'm just going to live for you. Lord, give us that life where we can walk out of this place today just excited to be a Christian today. Not laboring over all the points that that the enemy has crept into the church with the things that you can or can't do. God, may we just live a free life in you. Studying your word, loving you, waking up, expecting you to do a work in our life, expecting your blessings, Lord. I'm not a name it and claim it guy at all, Lord. You know. But Lord, I truly believe you desire to bless us. Whether it be through something small, whether it be through something big, God, you desire to bless your kids. Help me to look. Help us to look for you, God. 
Help us to see that your heart is for us. We know your word. I know my thoughts that I have for you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil. Give you a future and a hope to bring you to a glorious end. Lord, your thoughts towards us are good. God, help us not to complicate our faith. Help us not to complicate our walk. Lord, help us to just rejoice and live in you and truly have a sparkle in our eye and a spring in our step as we walk in this world. And I know that there's going to be difficult days. God, right now, I I think of something that I, I know I haven't really shared much with the congregation. But with my nephew out in California, the four Marines that were killed, my nephew having to take care of the family and minister to the family as the casualty unit officer, one of the families, Gunny Sergeant Hawley, the devastation that is happening in their life, their seven-year-old little boy. God, I pray for comfort. For the war horse unit. And for Holly's family. I pray, God, you give them comfort. Lord, they do know you. And I am thankful, Lord, that they have a relationship with you. I'm thankful, Lord, that you have a relationship with my nephew, Matt that was assigned to this family and has ministered to them and blessed them as best he can. Lord, I know that there's going to be difficult days in our life. But it's a joy to know that even in a time of devastation and tragedy, you, Lord, can still be clearly seen. And behind the, the devastated eyes and hearts, there's hope. And there's peace that can come through you and only you. And the world doesn't understand it. It passes all human understanding. But it's a peace that can come through you. And so, Lord, there's hope in the eyes. And there's a lasting joy in a heart even in the time of loss. Because they'll, they know one day they're going to see each other again. I do again pray for the comfort of all of those that were involved, not just Gunny Sergeant Holly, but the other three men and their families. Be with them. Be with my nephew. I know he's broken up over this. But let them, as he has shared, let them just see you, Jesus, in the midst of it all. Lord, that has been so encouraging to hear. That you have been seen. And that you still show up big in these times. Lord, let us live our life that way. In good times and in bad. May we see you. May we hope in you. May we live for you. May you give a spring to our step and a sparkle to our eyes because we are saved. And it's all because of Jesus. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Yeah, that's, uh, I'm, I didn't, I haven't shared that with you guys, but, uh, my nephew, Matt, many of you guys know, he's actually played worship with us a couple of times. He's a Marine. He's captain in the Marines. He's, uh, uh, a, uh, pilot on a, uh, Super Stallion CH-53 helicopter out in, um, Camp Pendleton, California, and Miramar area, and, uh, I think he's Miramar. But, uh, uh, two weeks ago, he had uh, four men in his unit that crashed in a helicopter, and they all died. And uh, he has had to take over one of the families to help assist them in these these next days. In the, the he's a casualty officer, unit officer, I guess. And and uh, he's been able to pray with them and minister to them, and and they've loved having him around. And and uh, Sergeant Holly's son, he's seven years old. Uh, Matt said, you know, there's a uh, well, let me just read it to you real quick. You just, I mean, this will touch your heart. Little seven-year-old little boy. He said, uh, and he, he gave a, a screenshot of just how Sergeant Holly's wife was just thankful of just having men of faith around her and, and ministering to her and, and what have you. He says, there's fruit amidst this chaos in life. We brought uh, Sergeant Holly's remains back yesterday and he's getting cremated today. The above screenshot is of his wife, the fallen Marine, uh, of the fallen Marine that I'm working with. Her little seven-year-old boy today told her that he loved me. My heart melted. So he's uh, ministering to that family and uh, it was, you know, it's awesome to be a Christian, guys. And it's awesome to give hope as a believer. And so go, give hope in the world. Amen. God bless you guys. Hey, thanks for listening. So did Jesus cause a change in you today? Or do you need prayer? We'd love to hear from you please contact us by visiting our website at calvarychapelcf.com or call our office at 941-926-3717. That's 941-926-3717. Again, thanks for listening to In the Word with Pastor Don.